If you're a parent out there holding your breath for the onslaught of candy arriving soon for Halloween, you will want to listen in today to the interview with Wolfram Alderson, founding executive director of the Institute for Responsible Nutrition, a new organization dedicated to promoting metabolic health, improving the food system, and inspired by the visionary work of Dr. Robert Lustig, a pediatric endocrinologist and professor at University of California, San Francisco, and author of Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. You may have seen his YouTube video, Sugar, the Bitter Truth, which went viral with almost 4 million views. According to the Institute for Responsible Nutrition, just 30 years ago, only 5% of the children in the United States were obese. Type 2 diabetes, an adult disease. Fatty liver disease, not even a diagnosis. But today, one-fifth of children in the U.S. are obese. One-seventh have fatty liver disease, and 40,000 have type 2 diabetes. So does the consumption of sugar matter? Yes, according to Dr. Lustig. And Wolfram Alderson is here to talk with us about what the Institute for Responsible Nutrition is doing to improve the lives and health of our children. Wolfram Alderson's career has been spanned several decades and is dedicated to improving human and environmental health. His work has touched the lives of diverse constituencies, including inner-city poor, senior citizens, refugees, people with mental and physical disabilities, abused children, foster youth, chronically homeless, and indigenous people in rural Guatemala. He has provided leadership for numerous nonprofits and served as executive director for several organizations in the Bay Area, including Collective Roots and Full Circle Farm, two organizations that provide innovative solutions for improving the food system and to providing community-based nutrition education. He holds a Master of Science in Organizational Development from the University of San Francisco, and he's here to speak with us about the work of the Institute for Responsible Nutrition. Wolfram, welcome to Health Currents Radio. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. So you've got a really big mission out there. I mean, changing the world's consumption of sugar. Yes. Um, you know, sugar is really a, a major issue in the human diet. And even bigger than that is, is really a fundamental lack of understanding about the human metabolic system. Uh, it's a complex system, and you might as well replace the word metabolic system with human body because it's literally that complex. But on a simple level, it's the system that makes and uh, you know creates cells as well as destroy them. And so it's a really important part of our health and our lives, yet um, there's really not a lot of understanding about it. And certainly, how does sugar impact that system? So that's a gr- I think that's a great place to start. I mean, it's bad if in only 30 years we've uh, created an epidemic of obesity and, and childhood diseases that were never seen before. So how bad is it and how does it work on this on our bodies? Well, um, first of all, let's clarify what we mean when we say sugar. Uh, we're talking uh, in this case about industrial sugar, added sugar to the human diet. We all Our bodies need sugar. There's natural sugar in fruits and vegetables and other food sources. But we're talking about the uh, 50 or 60 different types of industrial sugars that are now in 80% of our food supply. And most of us don't even know 
when we're consuming those sugars because they have so many different names and they've become so ubiquitous in the food supply. So that's the sugar that we're talking about. It's really industrial sugar. So it's that sugar that's added into foods that we may not know. Could you give some examples to our listeners of where that hidden sugar might be lurking? Well, um, you can look on any uh, food label and you'll, you can find sugar content. It's much harder when you look in the ingredients, though, because um, sugar might be listed several times. As most of you probably know, you can, uh, ingredients are listed in order of importance or uh, what percentage they are in the total ingredients. Right. But uh, sometimes there's multiple types of sugars that are listed, and um, there's so many different names, it's kind of mind-boggling. Um, and honestly, many of us are uh, a bit fatigued, and it's hard to read the labels um, when we don't understand them. And I think many just kind of give up on that. It's, it's just too hard to, to look at that. But that's a reality. We, we really need to look at the label and look at what types of sugars are uh, in the food product. Unfortunately, uh, it's often a difficult or impossible to determine whether it was added sugar or whether it was sugar innate to the food pro the original food product that mm. it was made from. So that's one of the issues we're concerned about is just transparency and labeling. We're really not about vilifying sugar as a, as a general component of the human diet. It's really industrial sugar and wanting the, the food industry to be more transparent and certainly uh, easier for us to understand how much sugar is actually in our total diet. Um, in George Washington's day, the average consumption of sugar per day was two teaspoons of sugar. And today in the American diet, it's 22 teaspoons of sugar. So it's it's a question of dosage uh, as well as what types of sugar. Right. And, and most people are probably familiar with one of the big bad sugars, which is high fructose corn syrup, mm -hmm. uh, which, which is um, a particularly destructive uh, type of sugar in the diet. Right. But we're also thinking, I'm thinking about looking, you know, going down the aisles and, and you look at yogurt, organic yogurt with fruit. You think, wow, that's great for my kid. I'll pick it up. Then you look on the little label, six ounces, 22 grams of sugar. That means you've got how many? You've got almost six teaspoons of sugar in a little thing of yogurt, which a human being would, well, most of us would never put into that yogurt alone. So that's one little thing in the day, right? Right, and, and you look on the label, and it might say mm -hmm. organic evaporated cane juice. Now, right. that sounds um, doesn't sound so bad. No, it's organic. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, really, that's just uh, you know nutritional washing, as they say, or nutrient washing. They're trying to take a, a substance, that, a very concentrated industrial sugar, and make it sound good. And just because it's organic doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy. That's essentially, sugar is a type of a processed carbohydrate and industrial sugars are basically the most processed type of carbohydrate that you can ingest. Okay, so sugars are everywhere. Like I said, you can think you're giving your child something healthy, yogurt with fruit. Okay, it's got a little organic cane syrup in it, uh, sugar in it. But in, in accumulation over the day, accumulation over the weeks and months and years, how bad is it? What is it doing to our bodies? Well, um, I'm not a scientist. I'm coming at this from a, um, 
the leadership and organization perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Lustig takes an hour and a half in his lecture to explain basically that it's a, a biochemical uh, nightmare what occurs in the body when you flood it with these large amounts of sugar. Mm -hmm. And uh, essentially, uh, major organs of the body aren't able to process these um, industrial sugars very well. And what happens is they drive uh, very powerful uh, negative response uh, systems in the body and resistance to sugar or inability to process sugar. You've probably heard of the insulin response. Right. And uh, essentially, those processes ultimately are the leading drivers of fat in the body, which I think a lot of people quite ha haven't made the connection yet between sugar and fat. I think many of us are still kind of living in, with the idea that uh, maybe consuming fat makes us fat right. as opposed to consuming sugar making us fat. Right. So it's, go ahead. Well, I was, I was just thinking of what happened a number of years ago when, quote, fat was bad for us and they took all the fat out of everything and started putting a lot of sugar into it. And when actually when we eat sugar, sugar eventually turns to fat or plaque or deposits in the arteries, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, it's a, it's a kind of a no-win situation there, huh? <laughs> yes, and there's a whole wave of research coming out now that shows that this flooding of the body with industrial sugar at the dosages that we are right now is underlying uh, certainly many of the diet-related metabolic diseases. Everyone knows about type 2 diabetes and uh, maybe a few know about non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is basically the same as cirrhosis of the liver, what alcoholics experience, except that it's not a result of alcohol usage. It's a result of sugar usage. You and mean, has this... so the liver, the liver will break down after too much consumption of sugar? I mean, what are we talking about here? Like, Well, you're, you're literally cooking it. You're frying your liver and it, you're browning it. And Dr. Lustig in his lecture, you know, actually talks about this uh, browning effect, but you're, you're literally cooking your organs. And that's just not, that's not just happening to your liver. That's happening to your brain, which mm -hmm. by the way, is mostly fat and mm -hmm. uh, all of your organs, because uh, uh, there's, your body's just not able to process these substances. They are not foods. The, these industrial sugars are not foods. These are right. essentially toxins at the level that they're being introduced as. And unfortunately, government uh, regulation hasn't caught up with this. So we have things like the grass list, the generally regarded as safe list. Mm -hmm. And uh, these industrial sugars are still on those lists. So, you know, we're walking around thinking what we're consuming is safe, but it's uh, you know, really driving many of our major diseases, cardiovascular disease, cancer. Uh, it, it's really an underlying factor in so many human disease today. So it sounds like uh, what you just talked about, this grass list. What Could you tell our listeners what that is? Well, um, it, it, the, there's various regulatory agencies that are, uh, that are, you know, have rules set up to help uh, protect us. And there's just some things that uh, obviously, we wouldn't want in our food supply because they they aren't safe. And so this list is supposed to uh, be a way of governments um, endorsing what a safe food product is. Unfortunately, these regulations uh, have been influenced by um, big big food interests and major industrial food interests. And you know we're talking about industrial food. You know it's it's not really food. It's highly processed food substances that contain many other things that most of us would not consider to be food. So it sounds. Before, as, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Well, it's just that the regulations haven't caught up and labeling hasn't caught up. And it, this, this uh, syndrome of uh, sugar-related disease is really like um, a good metaphor is a tsunami. Mm. The, the, the amount of disease that it's generated in the last few decades is now starting to swoop up on us like a giant tsunami wave. And the, the laws, the, the uh, nutrition regulations, and I think the general uh, awareness of what's going on, it really hasn't caught up at all. And this has the potential of literally wiping out our healthcare system because the, the consequences are so, uh, uh, the economic consequences are just horrific in the next two decades if we don't get this into check. And I think most of us have seen the statistics on type 2 diabetes, which is certainly one of the biggest indicators. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, it makes me think a couple of things. One, um, there's a big social uh, policy level that it sounds like you're looking at. But then we have to look at that very micro level, the personal attachment to sugar. I remember once at my daughter's school when she was younger, I really brought up the concept that maybe we shouldn't give sugar to kids while they're in school. That's not an appropriate place for them to do it. We've seen the studies we know about what's going on around sugar. And the, the, the pushback I got was unbelievable. I was called a sugar Nazi. I was vilified for trying to take sweets out of Valentine's Day. How mean could I be as a mom? You know, So you've got that personal attachment to sugar, and then you've got this big corporate thing. So how do you work on those two levels? I mean, you're starting this big conversation around sugar, it sounds like. Yeah, so we have several areas, and, and the answer is really we have to start on all levels. Um, first of all, as a matter of responsibility, uh, this is certainly a matter of personal responsibility, and I won't disagree with people who say that the primary responsibility is with the individual to monitor what goes in their mouth and what's in their diet, and it's not up to government to micromanage that. Um, but uh, our food system is also... Uh, the responsibility for our food system and for the human diet is also the responsibility of government, of business, uh, and uh, of our society. And the fact is that um, any significant attempts to address major health issues have been the result of um, changing legislation and changing the law, as well as educating and um, encouraging more personal responsibility there is a continuum of responsibility that we're asking for. And our key areas of um, key ways of getting to that is through education, through public health advocacy and intervention. That also includes developing stra uh, legal strategies uh, similar to what was done uh, in the tobacco control movement. And then uh, science and research and community level investigation, not just men in white coats, but people in their own communities gathering data and using that data to show what's really underlying these um, uh, major increases in diseases. So really bringing in collaborators from every level of society, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. um, our organization is uh, certainly not about um, uh, being the center of this universe. What's really needed in terms of new organizational efforts is more unity across the nutritional field. As you know, most consumers know, when you open the paper in the morning, you're likely to see a story about nutrition that 
contradicts what you heard yesterday or the day before. Right. And it's it's it, it you kind of get tired of it after a while because it feels like there's no uh, basic unity or basic consensus around uh, certain aspects of or most aspects of nutrition. And so I think it's really important that we establish that there actually is a consensus in science. There is there is a widespread consensus that 22 teaspoons of sugar in your diet per day is not healthy, and it it a, a maximum level according to current science they're saying around seven teaspoons for uh, uh, women, maybe nine teaspoons for men, and these are for adults. So obviously for children well, it would be less. Yeah, and that's really not a lot because, like I said, if you look in that yogurt, you're going to see you know 19 to 25. Uh, grams of sugar. Well, that's, it gets you right up there really quickly, doesn't it? Yes. So you, you, you and I were talking before we started the interview today, and, and you were telling me um, you have a very personal interest in this cause as well, because you'd struggled with your own issues around weight and health, and that had to include food. That's right. Uh, you know, I think many can relate. Uh, you know, we've grown up, uh, at least my generation, I'm in my mid-50s, uh, surrounded by uh, just an onslaught of sugar-related products. And I, from from my teenage years, have struggled with obesity. I've had, you know, cycles of obesity uh, throughout my adult life. And it, it took me half a century, basically, to figure out what were the key things that were driving my weight gain? I, I was always able to diet and lose weight. That was easy. But how could I maintain homeostasis? How could I find not just a, a state of wellness, but how could I actually get to an optimal state of metabolic health? Um, and I found four key areas for me. I mean, I, I have to say, I know I was at one point, I was 100 pounds overweight. Mm. And uh, it was it was very hard for me to... Uh, understand that in the context of the fact that I've been working in human and environmental health for 35 years. But the truth is that many people in the health field, uh, whether they're in medicine or public health, um, just go to the conferences. Uh, obesity and metabolic disease are affecting everybody, even the peop- even the health providers. That's right. Uh, and that, that's because I think there's, there's some key pieces to the puzzle that have been missing that are really now coming to the forefront, which I'm so thankful for the work of Dr. Lustig because, you know, he just got tired of seeing little tiny kids, five-year-olds coming into his office with uh, type 2 type diabetes. He, he, he just realized that it, he couldn't solve this one patient at a time, and he needed to bring certain pieces of information forward. And uh, I, he's, he's a uh, certainly a holistic practitioner, but, he, you know, he's, he realized that one of the big uh, and I think easiest things to tackle here is the industrial sugar piece. And so that was certainly part of my own uh, path and my journey to uh, finally losing that weight and keeping it off and uh, finding some level of homeostasis. And I've built in, within my own framework of health what I call an ecosystem of health mm-hmm. that includes uh, leadership and organization, mind and spirit connection, using actionable data and intelligence, and diet and exercise. 
So that's your personal plan, or it sounds that sounds like a program yes. too that you well, could institute with others as well. Well, yes, and nothing in my program. It, it, it's really not a program; it's a framework, it, and it and there's nothing new in mm. my framework. It, it really is things that everybody's heard before. Um, I, I believe that I'm at the center of my health, and I'm essentially the CEO of my health mm. organization, and I take that respons responsibility. Uh, seriously. Right. There's some great tools out there now in terms of getting actionable data and intelligence, or they're calling the monitored me, mm. uh, such as, you know, my fitness pal and uh, other tools like Runtastic or Fitbit that measure your caloric output. And then uh, some really interesting technology. Uh, one particular technology is called in-body scan, which looks sort of like a scale, except that it uses microimpedance to not only measure your weight, but determine your BMI, your percentage of body fat, and your muscle mass, and really give you a much more intelligent uh, set of data than just your weight. Because your weight does tell you something, but it doesn't really tell you why, uh, you know, what's really going on with your whole body. And so there's some great technology tools that are out there and pretty accessible these days. That's fantastic. I love the the dovetailing of your your work and your personal life there, you, you, the organizational development um, part of you is very clear in that becoming the CEO of your health and have all these different systems and structures. That's a great way of looking at it. Thank you. I mean, I think really it's hard to realize that no one is going to lead you out of this. Uh, it, your mother won't do it. Your doctor won't do it. Uh, your wife or your husband won't do it. Um, you, you, you've really got to find a way of establishing your own leadership at the center of your health. And mm. you need you need tools to do that. You need Absolutely. some education. You need some science. You need some apps. You, you know, you, <laughs> you have, and I think you, you just need some reliable information and a little bit of training. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's ironic because to get a driver's license or to buy a gun, uh, you know, you have to, there's kind of a minimum of knowledge that you have to have, you know, you have to fill out a form. Um, but when the most important thing you have in your life is not your car or your, or your gun, it's your body, your health. Mm -hmm. And yet we don't really have a, a framework in our society yet that helps us maintain optimal health. That's really true. I think that's a great point. And I, I just want to really thank you for talking with us today about the work of the Institute for Responsible Nutrition, sharing your personal story as well. Um, because I think Dr. Lustig started a, a conversation in a big way. And uh, that awareness is the first step. And now that you're creating systems to, to make changes, uh, I just applaud you for that. And I'd like you to just uh, share with our listeners any way they could become involved with the Institute for Responsible Nutrition um, or, you know, what kind of call to action would you give to our listeners as well? Well, uh, we, we are in our founding stage, but right now you can go to responsiblefoods.org and get connected. So that's the first thing. Um, and we also have this great website uh, that was developed in a partnership uh, with a, um, a company called Fred Water, uh, and it's called Sugar is Killing Us. So if you go on Facebook and type in Sugar is Killing Us, you should be able to find that page very easily. And that's a, that page is a fountain of current information uh, on nutrition and particularly on the, on the sugar issue. And it's a fantastic um, video. You have to see it. Oh, yes. And what they did was, you know, Dr. Lustig's uh, hour and a half lecture, which has uh, been viewed 
nearly four million times on YouTube, um, is uh, a bit much for some people who just find it hard. It's a straightforward academic lecture, and it's just to me amazing that so many people have been willing to to look at it. But what Fred Water did was they took that hour and a half lecture and boiled it down to just a few minutes, uh, the most salient points, and it's animated and it has this great slacker voice narrator and. Um, it's brilliant in that it's been able to to boil down a very uh, complex subject into a, a very uh, sweet, pardon the metaphor, little <laughs> video. And that's the basis for that Facebook page. So first of all, we want to connect with you and share information. That's our number one goal. And we've, we're developing a, a whole range of programs and strategies that we're going to be rolling out in the coming months. And if you go to responsiblefoods.org, um, and, and sign up on the front page. There's a sign up uh, page there. Uh, we can stay in touch and starting uh, start to get some, a lot of this science and uh, state of the art research on uh, some of these key topics like industrial sugar in the diet and get those out to you so you can uh, start to figure out your own path to optimal health. Thank you so much, Wolfram, for being with us today. I really appreciate uh, the work you're doing, like I said before, and just uh, taking the time. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. It's a, a great show you have. So what to do? I want to encourage you to really cut back on that sugar. Give it up. You want to keep it out of your child's school at least. And I want to encourage you to keep talking, keep learning about what you can do to support health through food, especially for our children. So I'd encourage people to go to the website, responsiblefoods.org, and get on their mailing list because action and involvement is coming soon. And there are ways that you can collaborate in communities to really start to improve uh, access to better food for our kids. Another great site that I wanted to talk about is uh, Food Safety News, which is really important. And they have a site, foodsafetynews.com. And there are things on there always about recalls on food. Recently, they just recalled chicken. Um, but they had some interesting information uh, stating that thousands of schools had already tossed junk food and colas out of their vending machines and retail stores. And all the estimated 100,000 elementary, middle, and high school programs that accept assistance from the National School Lunch Program will have until 2014-15 school year to comply with the new snack rule. And this rule sets limits for fat, salt, and sugar in school snacks. And it's the first time in over 30 years that national snack rule standards for schools have been updated. 30 years. That's a generation. Jessica Donsblack, director of the Kids Safe and Healthful Foods Project, said that once those guidelines are fully implemented, the options available to students will be healthy ones. And personally, I think that will be a good day for our children. And be sure to check out the Sugar is Killing Us video on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, enter Sugar is Killing Us, and have a look. It's great for schools. If you want to start encouraging the conversation to shift away from sugar at birthday parties, sugar and snacks and treats at schools, it's great for kids to look at. It's great for families. Anyone addicted to that sweet stuff, good luck. I really wish you good luck because it's not easy. And while you think about that next week, do something sweet for yourself. Just take a nice deep breath. Acknowledge the fact you really want something sweet. Move your body. Have a glass of water. And then do something sweet for yourself. We'll see you next week on Health Currents Radio.